0: manipulate the price of gold and silver but all that money printing that they've done has flowed into the only non-manipulated currency in the world and that is bitcoin. I think this is totally different. No. No different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. Alright, I'll give you a try. No. Try not. Do. Or oh, do not. There is no try.
1: Bitcoin changes absolutely everything.
0: What's in there? Only what you take with you. Hey, Chris, thanks for making the time and welcome to the show. How about we jump straight into it and you give the audience a bit of a background about yourself? Sure.
1: thanks for inviting me. I'm super super stoked to be here chatting with you. So, I guess my my Bitcoin journey started back in I think about 2011, 2012. So, you know, yeah. a long time ago. Nice. Um like like a lot of people perhaps who who were interested in Bitcoin um, back in that day, their, their first touch point was probably Silk Road. Um yeah. so I you know, I'm one of the the OGs from Silk Road. Um, but you know my understanding of Bitcoin as a technology and all the all the beautiful parts that I, I now understand were very limited um, So it was just a you know a payment method essentially yes. uh, in 2012. Uh, there was I didn't read the white paper, I didn't understand any of the the technicalities. Um, so you know I didn't quite get it to the to the level that I do now. Um, fast forward you know about four years from there about it was about 2016. Um, I kind of came back and, and revisited it and, and thought, oh, wow, it's uh, still going. And it's not just uh, used for the darknet these days. Yes. It's actually doing a lot more. So I picked up the white paper. I read that. And then I was like, my mind just went, you know, it just went crazy. You know, I fell down the rabbit hole pretty seriously from 2016 onwards. Um, after that, um, obviously, I started acquiring it and understanding it more of a, a store of value and all those other aspects of it as opposed to just mainly a medium of exchange. Um, And uh, me and uh, five best friends actually started a hardware wallet reselling company here in Australia called CoinStop. Uh, So we wanted to secure our Bitcoins in cold storage, and there wasn't anywhere in Australia that you could purchase one of these. So we thought, sounds like a good business idea. Um, So none of us had really any business experience. I always thought that maybe sometime in the future I would, Start my own businesses, but you know I don't have a business degree, or I've never studied anything other than what I did through high school. Um, but yeah, we just we just gave it a go. We 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 rounded up a few thousand dollars and and bought a box of um, Ledger hardware wallets uh, back in 2016, yep. which were the HW ones, which are many people probably have never even heard of those, and the mm-hmm. Nanos. So not the Nano S, but the Nano. So before yep. the Nano S. Um, yeah, we bought a box of those, and and kind of the rest was history when it come come to CoinStop. And so that was kind of my professional move into the industry uh, and working with Bitcoin and the technology. Um, and then from there, I kind of, again, fell down the rabbit hole even deeper as, as many of the listeners I'm sure have um, yep. started going to Bitcoin meetups um, in Melbourne, started hosting them, started speaking at them, met a bunch of other people who were interested in similar things. And then we you know it 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 goes on from there. but I think that's kind of uh, enough of the the original where I came from,
0: yep, yep. And yeah, I remember I think it must have been around two thousand, yeah, I came I came to Australia around two thousand and eighteen and then I was looking at Bitcoin. I mean, I was looking at crypto companies at that point. And I surely came across CoinSpot, and I and I think I think if I remember correctly, now that I'm like, like yes, looking at you here, it's like I think there was a picture of you or, or must have been on the meetup side, must have been on the CoinSpot side. Maybe it's you, maybe it was one of the partners, but with a backpack, with a checkered shirt, like I think it must have been you. I can't remember. And then I was like, yeah, looking deeper, and like that's how I yeah came across coins CoinStop, right? Because there's a there's an exchange, there's a casino as well, so. Yeah, which <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. we often get confused with CoinSpot. Yeah. We'll get there, we'll get emails to our support email of angry customers saying, Hey, <laughs> where's my withdrawal? I did it three hours ago. Or here's my KYC information. Like, hey, hey, that's not us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've, yeah. You've come to the wrong place. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the history of, of how I got involved with Bitcoin and and professionally. And then yeah, it's you know, it's been it's five or six years since that point so there's a yeah. lot a lot has happened
0: nice and, and then at that point when you, you your initial touch point was around 2012 11 12 right and that true silk road so what made you come back to it in 2016 was it that you were still holding on to some coins and he's like oh let's check what's the price what's bitcoin doing now and like check the price oh, was it like yeah
1: yeah, not really. So it was. Uh, I was. I grew up in Sydney, in New South Wales, and um, it was about 2015. So I come from a mechanical engineering background. Um, so pretty much leaving high school, I started studying mechanical engineering, and then working professionally in the mechanical engineering industry. Um, and it was 2015. I actually got made redundant from my manufacturing job for a big uh, aluminium company here in okay. sydney actually a globe a global company they mm-hmm. just shut the doors and said everyone's you know yep. see you later and it was at that point i thought to myself you know i, I don't really want to be working in in engineering and and hmm. factories and the danger and the hot and the, all that sort of stuff it's not really what yep. i want to be doing for the rest of my life um so i actually had a bit of a fork in the road moment and, and decided to move to melbourne so i packed up all my things and moved to melbourne and it was kind of that was the, the start of me Looking back into the technology, um, me and my friends were kind of playing around. You know, again, I read the white paper, started deep diving a bit deeper, started going to local meetups in Melbourne um, at the Bitcoin Center, and it kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, okay, yeah, this thing's actually more than just simply, you know, a means to an end. It actually has a lot more. um, And that's kind of how I, you know, fell down that entrepreneurial, technological rabbit hole and 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 left my uh previous industry of mechanical engineering
0: yep yep and and in those early days yeah i mean like you guys found out like it's important to hold your own keys uh, and and was that true like experience or like how how did that come like and then you're like the starting coin spot like how did that come out to be
1: i'm not entirely sure what what forced us to to look into cold storage um yeah. Maybe there were less hot wallets around at that time. Like I remember one of the first wallets I used was the blockchain.com wallet, just a yeah. web wallet. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. It was it was my one of my best friends and, and co-founders, um, Jonathan, he was the one that uh kind of pushed the idea of of CoinStop um, and brought us all along for the ride. Um right. so yeah, I, I guess I owe a lot to him in, in that regard because he was the one that opened up the whole hardware wallets and security angle. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think I held too much Bitcoin. Like my my journey from 2012 to 2016 was simply acquiring Bitcoin to do something particular with it. It wasn't an investment. I wasn't storing it for the long term. It was, you know, I need this much Bitcoin. I'm going to purchase it and right. then yeah. use it. Got so, it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, and CoinStop is still uh, operational today?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're the first, and we're the oldest hardware wallet reseller in the country. We've been going since 2016, and these these days it's a largely automated business. So you know, we've got a warehouse in Melbourne that takes care of all of our inventory management, storage, dispatch, all that sort of stuff. Uh, We're just simply here to help educate people and remind them that you know, not your keys, not your coins. And you know, we've seen time and time again over the last ten years, uh, exchanges hacked. Exit scams, you know, all sorts of different ways people have lost their coins. Even this year, recently, we've seen a lot. Yes, uh, you know, yeah. Even even more so here in Australia, uh, over the last month, we've seen um, a local right. cryptocurrency exchange go bankrupt. Yeah, uh, with yep. uh, what was that? a digital surge. Yes, so digital surge. Know, yeah, it kind of makes kind of makes our job almost easy because yes. the industry itself is giving Shooting us their free sound. marketing. Yeah. They're shooting themselves in the foot. So, but you know, I've been, I've been preaching this, this, uh, narrative for six years and I I believe I'm probably still going to have a job in another six years time because, you know, people just still get tempted by leaving their coins on the exchange and trading and playing with fire and, Sometimes you need to get burnt a few times before you realize that's not something sure. you want to touch. So yeah. we'll keep telling people, not your keys, not your coins, get them off the exchange, put them in your own um, hardware wallets and, and you know, you can live peacefully.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so if today someone has to go up to like your website, like CoinStop, uh, what wallets do, do you all have for sale there now?
1: We stock most of the main sort of brands Mm -hmm. that you would expect. So Ledger, Trezor, Bitbox. Um, We stock other type products for like uh, recovery phrase storage. So things like the Bill Foddle, which is a stainless steel plate. So you can store your recovery phrase in something a bit more robust and secure than simply on a piece of paper. So most most of the major hardware wallet brands will stock. Obviously, um, there's probably like Ledger and Trezor typically own about 90 95% of the market share so sure. they dominate yes. the space kind of like apple and samsung right like they right, kind right. of dominate the 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 smartphone marketplace yep. and then if if you few other brands you know take a little bit of a few percent here a few percent there so you know we, we try to stock as many as we can but it's also sometimes not doesn't make sense if there's no demand we you know we don't want to sure. buy a bunch of products that no one wants so it's a bit of a tricky situation like we want to support other new brands but at the same time if there's no one that wants them then it doesn't make any financial sense as a business to support those brands so it's it's difficult yeah. but yeah. yeah we we struck most of the ma- major brands
0: Got it, yeah, and then yeah, I mean, we were chatting, we were meant to do this a while back, and then you said you were you've been traveling, so let's let's go there. So, like, how yeah, yeah, where, where, so yeah, like these last few months or last few weeks, well, yeah, yeah, what was happening? Where were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I had a really good time actually. Um, so I I just got back yesterday morning, um, I've been traveling for 31 days, so just a month, um, and so. Partially work, partially pleasure. Um, Probably a bit more work than pleasure, but at the end of the day, it's traveling is pleasurable anyway. But so um, I went to first off, I went to Los Angeles to go check out the Pacific Bitcoin Conference, which was pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was like a two-day conference in uh, Santa Monica in Los Angeles, Um, purely Bitcoin. You know, all of the big names that you would basically everyone in bitcoin that you would expect or want to listen to or see was there michael saylor lynn alden uh, jeff booth you know all the big names when it comes to bitcoin Uh, it was a fantastic time Um, part of the reason of going there was because i i'm a bitcoiner and i wanted to 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 go to one of these events but also market research for the bitcoin conference that we're um, putting together in 2023 here in sydney australia which i'm sure we're going to get into shortly Um, So yeah, it was a fantastic time, super high quality speakers, awesome venue. Obviously, Los Angeles is great weather, so it's always a nice time there. Um, So that was the first part of the trip. Uh, After that, I actually went back to El Salvador. So I was there in 2021 as well, um, visiting El Salvador, checking out what's going on there, going to the Adopting Bitcoin conference. So I had such a great time in 2021 that I basically stamped my ticket then and there that I'm going back every year um for the you know for the next unforeseen future so you know man of my word i I went back again in 2022 um went back to the adopting bitcoin conference it was fantastic um always always a really good time going to el salvador it's bitcoin country so it's it's nice to see um kind of the changes the evolutions the learnings where things have gone right where things maybe haven't gone so right um, it's an experiment, right? Like no other country in the world has made Bitcoin legal yeah. tender, um, or at least at that point. Um, I think we've got now the central, central African Republic has also yes. made Bitcoin legal tender or, or something. I'm so, not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But I think yeah. It's,
1: it's great. It's great in El Salvador. It's a, a super awesome time. Um, after El Salvador, I then went to Guatemala. Um, so nice. I'm not sure if you've heard of the Bitcoin. I
0: had, I had Patrick on. Yeah, I had Patrick on. Oh, a while. awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah awesome. So, so Patrick Patrick is an awesome dude. He um mm. he invited a bunch of people, or basically anyone that wanted to come from adopting Bitcoin to Guatemala, to Lake Atiltian, to check out what's got, what, what he's been working on there um, with, with Bitcoin Lake. So I was like, that seems like an opportunity I can't pass up. Yep. So I decided to tag along for that trip and went to Guatemala for a week. And then I finished up and I went to Costa Rica, uh, which was partially for work, but partially also for a bit of pleasure too. So I got to check out um, Bitcoin Jungle in Costa Rica as well. So maybe you've got some questions on some of those things. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in here.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, just a broad question on like, what was if you had to put like a highlight on this entire trip? Like, yeah, like anything that sticks out?
1: Yeah, it's really hard to put a highlight (laughs) on such a great trip. There were so many great places and so many great experiences. But I think um, the one that caught me perhaps by most surprise was uh, Bitcoin Lake. So it wasn't initially on the agenda. It kind of came up a little bit spontaneously because Patrick invited us all and organized everything. So I thought, all right, I'll I'll just come along. You know, there's worse things to do in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was really, really um, uh, pleasantly surprised how well... Patrick had had done in in uh uh Paniachel which is the the town around Lake Atilti yes. that, that it's all kind of happening at um I was I was kind of gobsmacked you know I, I didn't expect it to be that uh prominent and and that well established considering just you know 6 months ago Patrick had nothing there you know in April right. there was no merchants there was nothing so yep. you know fast forward to November and you know you there, I think there's about 60 or 70 different merchants that accepted Bitcoin in HL, which was Mm -hmm. fantastic. You you could book your hotel, you could uh, go out for dinner, you could go to the bar, you could get breakfast, you could uh, do some clothes shopping. It was all different uh, rent scooters and and motorbikes. You could do a whole bunch of stuff in HL using Bitcoin. So that was uh, probably, I mean, the whole thing was a highlight, of course, but that was the one that kind of sticks up a little bit because I perhaps wasn't expecting it to be so good.
0: Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember Patrick showing me the map. And like, yeah, I wasn't expecting it as well. Like, and there's like stores everywhere, all around the town. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 I got to check out the the Kaboom mining project as well. So I'm not sure if you spoke about that with Patrick, but that's the kind of uh oil.
0: Recycling yeah, so oil. Use... Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. So they they're using recycled um cooking oil from Pania Hell from all the restaurants and cafes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and and basically they've been uh they found like an old uh, diesel Diesel. motor that was used for something many years ago and they've repurposed it to, to uh, accept cooking oil and now they're mining Bitcoin with it. So, you know, it's just like a real dingy kind of on this like backyard with like a steel shelter and like completely exposed to the elements uh, more or less. And, but it was cool. It was cool. Awesome to see um, them actually making it happen. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic it's not not a whole lot of hash rate it was only I think uh 60 or 70 hash rate uh to yep. the machines but you know it's a, it's a bit of a proof of concept to see like hey can we actually do this and then yes, yes. and then how do we scale hmm. it up so that was really cool and they're also working on another project there in panche which is um a waste facility uh waste yes. facility so' yep. taking the methane from the local waste mm-hmm. and capturing that and and repurposing it for Bitcoin mining that one's not quite at a production stage
0: yeah but it's yeah
1: system in this lake in this uh a small town on surrounded by a very beautiful lake like it's you know i welcome everyone to go and take a look at it if they get the opportunity to it's absolutely fantastic okay.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he did mention the, the meet in project and, 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 and I think he mentioned, there's like education for kids going on and yeah, he's doing quite a bit there. Right. And, and, and he has quite a bit of support. He's a very ambitious man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and for him, he has quite a bit of support as well from the locals and from like, I think, yeah. So he doesn't need to be there. I think he goes back to the States, comes, uh, comes back to Guatemala and yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, you were just cutting off there, but no, I think you're back. Oh, no, you're just frozen there. Hey, hmm. Hmm.
1: Oh, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Whether okay. it's, yeah, whether it's, a, whether it's a network or yeah, it just yeah,
1: that it's on my end. I just had a bit of an outage. Apologies.
0: No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Probably can cut it off if it's yeah if it sticks out in the recording, uh, but yeah, and so you you were in El Salvador in like last year and then this year. So was there like drastic changes? Like you noticed drastic changes in that one year?
1: I probably wouldn't say it's been too drastic. Um, yeah. There's been some up uptake of bitcoin i think uh in 2021 like i went in november and the the legal tender law came in in september so it was like two months so like i wasn't expecting it to be super crazy or anything like that um but i think it was a little bit more prominent this time around but they still got a lot of work to do um i think a lot of it was very politicized as well so you know bukele was came into power and There were obviously some factions within the El El Salvadorian uh, communities that perhaps didn't like Bekele. So, you know, it was his idea. So automatically, without even understanding Bitcoin or what it is or what it means or how it works, people just trashed it and rubbished it because it was a political thing. Um, But, you know, I think that has subsided. A little bit perhaps obviously right. i don't live in el salvador so i don't know on a day-to-day basis but you know, i have friends and i have colleagues that live in el salvador and so i hear their stories i think it's less of a politic uh political issue now mm-hmm. so there there are great projects that are helping bridge that gap so i don't know if you've seen the uh my premier bitcoin uh, yes. project which is yeah so, John yeah. uh, is the guy leading that. Uh, I met up with him in El Salvador and I've actually had him uh, on, on my own podcast previously to talk about what he's been going on there. Fantastic mm-hmm. guy, fantastic project. They're okay. like, uh, I forget the exact statistic, but they're like 10Xing every uh, cohort of um, Bitcoiners in their educational program. So, you know, they started with 30 Bitcoiners and then they went to like 300. And, you know, they, they're planning to get a lot of people going through their diploma. Um, which is yep. awesome. So I think that that and they're doing it with with the school kids as well. So they they're partnering up with local schools and they're getting the kids to understand. And which I think is the is the key, right? Like, yes, people in their perhaps in their late retirement ages, it probably doesn't matter so much to them. Um, but the kids coming through, you know, they're the ones that can really understand it, really take it on, and and they're the future entrepreneurs in the space. So. Um, the, the work he's been doing there is fantastic and we're not going to be seeing that realized for at least a few years or, or maybe even five or ten years as these kids leave school get their own jobs start their own businesses yes I think you know in five or ten years time we're going to see all this work that El Salvador is doing now really starting to pay off we're, we're already seeing a lot of it paying off you know Yep. a lot of people like to say that the the kind of investment into Bitcoin has, has failed. And because, you know, the Bitcoin price has gone down, but the reality of it is their GDP has grown 10%. percent Their you know, tourism is booming. Like I would have never gone to El Salvador before Bitcoin was made legal tender there. And now Mm -hmm. there are, you know, lots and lots of people doing going there and and, and spending their capital and bringing their um, knowledge and their expertise to the country. So, you know, I actually think that El Salvador is going to turn from a third world country in the matter of a few decades to one of the leading first world countries, just because they've been the first mover on Bitcoin. Um, So, you know, hats off to them. Obviously they've got other problems. Like many other governments have other problems and uh, I'm not an expert in any of those, but in, in terms of what they're doing on the, on the Bitcoin front, I think it's absolutely world leading and it's going to be one of those things that we'll look back on in time and in history to be like, wow, like what a visionary to, to really yes. go out there and 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 stick your neck in there and say like yep. you no know, you know I'm going to go against the the normal narrative the IMF narrative and and take on Bitcoin because it's for the people and uh, that you know I, you know I tip my hat to that it's a fantastic story.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. I can't remember who said this. this must have been Stacy from Max and Stacy, but I think it's mm-hmm. uh, something on the lines like, white man came and like took the gold and now white man comes back and spends digital gold or gives digital gold back into the country. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're seeing lots of businesses move into the region, Mm. lots of capital move into the region. It's it's fantastic. Like uh, if I was another country around the world, I would be looking at that and I'd say like, that's interesting. Like they're able to pay back their debt. They're able to grow their GDP. Mm. They're able to crack down on crime and make it a safer place, make it a place people can visit now. As a as a tourist destination, like that's pretty freaking cool, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Something that I uh, you mentioned, like uh, towards the start of our conversation, was Bitcoin Center in Melbourne. Is it a do we have a Bitcoin Center here in Melbourne? It used to be called the Bitcoin Center, and okay. then it moved and it right. uh,
1: rebranded itself to the Blockchain Center. And right. I don't okay. even think it even exists anymore, unfortunately. Well, I guess yep. okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind, of, because, kind of to yeah, be yeah.
1: said if you if you blockchain, it's probably not a sustainable model.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay. And yeah. And you mentioned you have your own podcast as well. I didn't think I've come across that one. Yeah. Really? I
1: mean, we've been me and enough... a buddy Kieran. Yeah, we've been kind of it's not super consistent, but uh I you know, I've been traveling, so it's been hard. But we've been we've been doing a few shows. It's called um Bitcoin Aggregated. Okay. Um You can find it, I think, on most of the platforms, Mm -hmm. Spotify, uh, Fountain, all those sort of places. Um, We're trying to make it a weekly occurrence. um, But yeah, with all the travel and all that sort of stuff, it's been a little bit difficult. But yeah, I think we'll be recording again from this week onwards.
0: Right. And another, uh, another venture, I guess, is Alpha Hash Mining. Is that something? Yeah, I see it on your profile. So what's that about?
1: Yeah, so Alpha Hashrate is a, a startup that I was working on earlier this year. Um, actually, that's the, the neon oh, okay. sign of the logo. Okay. Um, it's it's actually a little bit on pause at the moment, so I'm sure many of your listeners or, or anyone that's interested in mining at least would would know that the energy grid here in Australia has been pretty terrible um, this year, especially over winter. Um, gas plants have been going down, energy prices have been going up. We already have... Pretty expensive energy costs, considering like you know the global landscape, which mm-hmm. I think should be the opposite. I think we should have some of the cheapest energy in the world 100% such yes. an abundance of solar, wind, nuclear depositories. I don't understand why we're one of the most expensive countries in the world, but that's a conversation, yes, a separate conversation that we yes. could go down. But yeah, alpha hash rate is basically, um. It's a it's an end to end solution, or it, it hopes to be an end to end solution for anyone that wants to Bitcoin mine that perhaps doesn't have access to cheap power, doesn't have access to um, technical knowledge on how to set it up and how to host it, um, how to plug it in, how to maintain it. They don't okay. have um, they don't have the space, they don't want the noise, all that sort of stuff. So it's it, I guess the closest company that exists that to, to Alpha Hashrate that that offers a similar product product would be compass mining um
0: okay.
1: which i'm sure a lot of people are very familiar with mm-hmm. uh, but the idea is that you know we're based here in australia and that we're predominantly run off renewable energy where possible um but the bi- probably the biggest differentiator between m- many of the hosting providers and us would be that uh, we're focused solely on immersion mining and so i nice. have I'm a believer that immersion mining is perhaps the future of mining. There may be other ways as well, but um, you know, the reduction of noise pollution and the more controllable heat, um, mm-hmm. I think lends to immersion mining being a superior form of mining. No longer do we have to deal with all the loud noises of the asics and the you know the big warehouses with you know industrial air conditioning, just trying to keep everything cool. Yep. With immersion mining, we have essentially zero noise pollution, very, very minimal, and you you can have a much more controlled environment when it comes to the heat. So you get more longevity out of the machines. You're able to overclock them. There's far less maintenance. There's no dust. It's just a better environment. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a work in progress. So sure. yes. given everything that's happened this year with the grid, it's kind of thrown a few spanners in the works. So it's yep. a little bit on the side at the moment and it's uh it's kind of waiting for the for things to move into place before it can continue to move forward
0: understood yeah so for someone that was uh listening so can you break down what's immersion mining like i've recently seen some videos and like basically asics asics and yeah yeah can you describe it yeah
1: sure yeah i mean it's it's it doesn't seem like it's something that you should do it's yeah. electronical hardware that is essentially dipped in liquid, um, mm. which yeah, most people would think like, Hey, you should be keeping your electronics away from liquids. But I guess this is a special to- type of liquid that's uh, non-conductive. So it- it's safe for these ASIC miners to be dipped in the liquid. So essentially uh, the way that we're doing it is we've got big tanks, uh, custom made and fabricated tanks, um, that can fit about 50, 55 ASICs, um, side by side. Yep. And they're all dumped underneath this uh, non-conductive immersion liquid and the fans are removed. So there's no need for the fans anymore because the fans are what typically cools the, the chips down. Um, so that And that's what also generates the noise. So we remove the fans, we, we dip them in this liquid and the liquid essentially circulates through the tank, outside of the tank to a, a heat exchange where it's cooled and then back in. So it just keeps going over and over and over again. And the idea is that you have a much more regulated temperature. So you can uh, you don't have to deal you know deal with trying to air condition it or turn the fans up higher or, or anything like that. You get a nice regulated temperature so the, the ASICs are very happy. They're not overheating. They're not uh, they're being put under any stress. And because of that, you can actually overclock them more safely as well. So you can get a bit more juice out of your ASICs because you can control a lot of those bad things. The other good thing is like no dust. So you're not getting any of the the right. air moving around, which dust is getting into the chips and, you know, having to clean them and maintain them. So the idea yeah. is you can just essentially put them in these tanks, turn them on and kind of forget about them. They just run. So we've nice. been, we've been doing some test pilot projects and, and, you know, we've been running for sort of six months and we've done nothing like there's been no problems at all. There's been no maintenance. Nothing's gone wrong. So that's kind of the idea, at least. Uh, whether that translates to reality and, and we can scale that up, I'm not entirely sure. Australia is not a great country to be mining Bitcoin um, because of the energy prices. But yeah. you know, the hope is we can source a lot of that energy from renewables. So mm-hmm. um, the Alpha Hash Rate Project um, has... Uh, about 100 different solar farms um, available, okay. um, ranging from, you know, quite small to quite large. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are a bit more accessible. Some of them are, require a bit bit of negotiation to get to get onto those uh, plots of land. But, yeah, the idea is that we can tap into those renewables, get the energy costs nice and cheap. Problem is the sun doesn't shine all the time. Sometimes yes. it's cloudy and a lot of the times it's at night. So, you know, how do we manage when the conditions aren't right and that's the tricky part because there you're relying on base load from the grid and right now the grid's been really terrible so everyone's energy prices have gone up this year um yes. both residentially and commercially so mm. it's it's a bit of it's a tricky problem to solve and this is mm. why a lot of people previously were mining in China because China had very cheap energy yep. and now people are mining in other parts of the world because it makes more financial yes. sense but yeah we're seeing a lot of hosting providers failing and a lot of customers getting caught up in the mess. And yep. the idea is that hopefully we can be one of there are other providers here in Australia that are doing a great job as well. Um we're just offering a different solution, which is the immersion mining.
0: So yeah, Chris, if yeah, if someone wants to, I mean, as you said, it's on on hold now, but how would it work? Like say say for me, for example, like if I wanted to Get you to host a miner. So how would that work? So, am I paying for an entire miner, or am I paying like, uh, is it just like a tiny investment? Yeah. yeah. Sure.
1: So the idea is that you own the hardware. The customer always owns the hardware. Okay. Um, so either you bring your own hardware to us that you maybe already have or have purchased right. elsewhere, or if you don't have any any hardware, you can come to us and we'll help you source that hardware. So you know maybe you want a s SJ 19 pro 100 terahash, tera or maybe you want right 104 or whatever you want, we'll, we'll help you find. Um, and then essentially you'd send that to us, to our facility. Uh, we would, we would set it up, we would plug it in, we would get it into the tank. We would configure it. We'd do all that stuff for you. Essentially all you re- really need to do as an end customer is choose your miner pay for it and get it to us. We'll take care of everything else. Make sure it's set up. We'll configure it. We'll tweak it, maintain it, all that sort of stuff. Um, And then you just provide us with a a Bitcoin address so the rewards can come to you because they're your rewards. And simply you pay for your electricity, um, your usage, and then there's a small uh, hosting fee added on top of that. So, you know, something around about the $5 a day mark or something like that. Sure. Um, And then, yeah, that's it. At any moment in time, you can say to us, I'm not happy with the service or I want to host my miner myself or Mm -hmm. I want to sell my miner. It's your miner. So you own it. You can decide what you want to do with it. If you want to give it to us and we'll plug it in, we'll happily do that. If you want to plug it in at your own home at any time, you can let us know and we'll unplug it and we'll ship it back to you and you can do what you want with it.
0: Got it. Yeah. And... And the hash rate can the can I decide where it's pointed towards, like which mining pool it goes towards? Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Okay. You've got total control in terms of what pool you want to use. If you want to solo mine, if you want to join a particular pool, it's all up to you.
0: Oh, that's awesome. We're yeah. just
1: we're just helping with the with the technicalities and the hosting. So the idea is, you know, it's it's entirely your operation in that sense, but without any of the hassles of dealing with the heat dealing with the electricity dealing with the maintenance that sort of stuff
0: yeah awesome yeah all right let's let's move to bitcoin alive like yeah when did uh, yeah how did that come out to be and like what's the backstory for that
1: sure yeah um so obviously i'm a bitcoiner and and i love going to bitcoin events as I, i mentioned previously with my recent travels um so I guess the big inspiration was actually um, the previous or recent um, crypto conference that happened in September in Queensland. Um, I've been going to meetups and hosting meetups for years since 2016 in basically every capital city that I've lived in, New South Wales, Queensland, and Melbourne. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've always been a bit of a social creature. I like going to Bitcoin meetups. I like talking to other Bitcoiners. I find it enjoyable. So After the crypto conference and realizing that, you know, the content itself was not for me. Um, I'm a Bitcoiner. I don't like any of the other nonsense and scams and noise. I decided I think it's about time that Australia had its own large-scale Bitcoin conference. We've got some really great local communities in all of the capital cities. So there's a great Bitcoin Sydney group. There's a great uh, Melbourne group, Adelaide, Perth, Queensland, like, we've got Bitcoin groups all around the country, but, you know, they've got a few hundred people here and there. No one's really bringing it all together and 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 put, putting it into one package where we can all get excited. It to... removes all the nonsense, focuses on, on the single, which is Bitcoin.
0: You'll just repeat, like, from maybe 30 seconds of what you were saying because it just cut off the...
1: Yeah. Sure, yeah. Apologies. I think I'm having... In each of the capital cities around Australia but yeah. put them all in one place at the same time so we can all get to know each other, all come and made a separate discussion group. And from there kind of...
0: Yes, I'm sorry. You will have to repeat that
1: again. So you,
0: you're getting all the cities together, and but you cut off after that again.
1: Uh, apologies. Can you hear yeah. me now okay?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now.
1: Okay. Yeah. Hopefully it holds through. Um, Yeah. The idea was essentially to, to bring them all together. And so... There are a few of us in the Bitcoin Sydney group that right. were talking about this, and uh, so we decided to make our own little discussion group. And from there, it sort of eventuated that it was me, uh, Dylan, and Dylan's partner Jess were the three uh, people left standing right. uh, when it come to actually wanting to do the work, because it's it's not an easy thing to put on a large scale conference. It requires sure. a lot of work, a lot of stress, um, some capital you know, it's it's not easy. Like a local crypto meetup or a Bitcoin meetup with 30, 50 people is one thing, but, you know, a big large scale Bitcoin conference with a thousand, two thousand people is another thing. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people want to go to one of these things, but perhaps don't have the knowledge or the expertise to make it happen. So the three of us teamed up and uh, so far it's going quite well. Uh, so Jess is kind of our resident, uh, events manager guru. She's a professional freelance events manager. Um, she's been doing this for the better part of ten years. Nice. Uh, Dylan and I are simply bitcoiners. Um, yeah. You know, I've obviously got business experience with all the things that I've done previously in the startup world. Uh, but mm-hmm. we we so she's handling all of the you know make sure things don't collapse side of the table, and we're nice. handling the make sure everyone has a good time. So yeah. speakers, sponsors, exhibitors, content. All that sort of stuff, making sure that we're catering to Bitcoiners, uh, making sure that we you know, tick all the right boxes when it comes to everyone enjoying themselves. So that's kind of how Bitcoin Alive started. We've been working on it since, uh, I think it's been about two or three months we've been working on it. And we announced the event uh, about two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago publicly. We said, hey, it's happening April 15th, 2023. It's yeah. happening in Sydney. Here's the venue. And now the real work begins. So we're, we're, nice. we're speaking to uh, a bunch of different people to to try to come uh, present, speak, debate, be on a panel at the conference. So it's predominantly, you know, an Aussie Bitcoin conference. Um, yep. So there'll be, you know, 90% Aussies. Uh, but we're certainly trying to put this on the map in terms of the, the global Bitcoin circuit. So, you, you know, when you think of Bitcoin conferences, you generally think of Bitcoin Miami, Bitcoin Amsterdam, adopted yes. Bitcoin, Pacific Bitcoin, um the the Honey Badger one. Um Riga. You know, there's a bunch yeah. of different Riga, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one in Prague, you mm-hmm. know, there's a bunch of different Bitcoin events that everyone knows about. Yes. But there isn't anything in in the sort of the Oceania Asia Pacific region. So we're trying to establish ourselves as as the one. If anyone wants to come in this area at, at, at this time of year, we're the Bitcoin event to go to. Uh, we're essentially the only Bitcoin event to go to. So nice. yeah, it's a bit of a risk. Um, you know we're, it's a, no one's done it before, certainly in 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 the country. so you know someone had to and I wanted to go to one and this is my template when it comes to creating businesses, I just try to solve my own problems first. So if we think about coinstock like we spoke about earlier, yeah. I wanted a hardware wallet. there's no way to get one in Australia. That's a business. yes. Uh, I want to do immersion mining. Uh, but not have to deal with any of the technicalities and hosting and loud noises. That's a company. Yeah, uh, I want to go to a Bitcoin event in Australia or Bitcoin conference in Australia. That's a new startup. So that's just I just try to solve my own problems and I realize I'm not typically that unique. Yes. So there must be other people that also have these problems. So yeah, it turns out other people are pretty keen on on the event and, and the, the buzz has been good. For the first two weeks, a lot of people are getting behind us, supporting us, and we're super thankful for anyone that that ha- is lending a hand or helping promote it, or or just attending or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately, it's an event for the people. Like, uh, it's most certainly a, a commercial entity in a commercial enterprise. Like, you know, yep. we, we need to make sure that we do this the right way so none of us are bankrupt at the end of it. But the, at the end of the day, the idea is to put on a freaking awesome event for any of the Bitcoiners in Australia because we want to go to that. Um, If we have an awesome time and we make $0 and we lose $0, I'm a very happy man. If we we make a few bucks along the way, I'm even happier. But that's not the motive for this. The motive is put on a really cool event that people can come to both from Australia and from overseas that focuses solely on Bitcoin, removes any of the noise and focuses simply
0: on the signal. 100%. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And yeah super keen to help out as well but something that you said that really resonated with me is like all best products i think come from that uh come from building it for themselves i think steve jobs had that approach uh musk elon musk had that same approach and yeah that's it like if you know Because I think on a, on a broad scale, like customers don't know what they want, but like as an individual, you know what you want. And if you take that and like make it a product or make it a business and yeah, surely there's other people like you would want the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing as well, at least for me, I'm not financially driven about anything I do really. Like yep. it's kind of an afterthought for me. Um, hmm. I figure if I do something good and other people like it, then it's probably going to come back and give me a financial gain. It'll take care of itself. But nice. I'm just trying to solve problems for myself. And yes. uh, I think uh, the, the, the good thing about that is I can get really behind that because I'm not just doing it for money. I'm mm-hmm. doing it because I care about the thing that I'm trying to solve. So, you know, I'm going to put everything into this event because I want the event to be awesome because I want to go to this event and have a good time. Uh, it's not an event I'm making because I want to get rich. And, yes. and I'm just... I don't care about other people or i don't care about how the event is or anything like that it's it's i want the event to be awesome that's that's the the main motive and 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 driver for this for bitcoin alive is just to have a really really awesome time
0: yes just got off there but hopefully we'll be back
1: you know getting rich i would have coined and done icos and nfts and DAOs and DeFi and whatever the next latest craze is when it comes to crypto but i'm not i'm not interested in any of those things i'm interested in changing the world and fixing the money and i think bitcoin does that so i'm just trying to focus on that and that's what makes me happy and if that makes me rich along the way then cool but if it doesn't also cool because i'm doing something i love
0: totally agree and like i think I think most Bitcoiners come from an angle. Oh, try to get rich, and then they, st- as the saying goes, you come, you come for the number go up, and then you stay for the revolution, right? Like, yeah, you once you learn yes. more about, yeah, why why Bitcoin matters, and why these idiots have been saying only Bitcoin, or the Maxis have been saying only Bitcoin for the last ten years is like, yeah, you get that, and yeah, I mean, any 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 speakers locked in for Bitcoin alive. Anything that is public?
1: Nothing's public. So we haven't announced any of the speakers yet. Uh, We're kind of working through the motions, getting as many as we can locked in. Um, I think at last count, we had about 15 or so speakers locked in. I think the majority of those were Australian-based speakers. So like I said earlier, we're, we're trying to make this, you know, we want every Aussie Bitcoiner that's doing anything remotely exciting to be represented here they awesome. want to be so yeah yep. that that's that's the main focus and then okay. the idea is to sprinkle in a little bit of international flavor where we can and so that Special. was the reason why we went to uh, pacific bitcoin and adopting bitcoin was to try to mingle and speak to some of those and gauge some interest so they're a lot more difficult and so this is one of the shit things about australia is we're so far away from Brazil.
0: yeah yeah so yeah.
1: anyone that wants to come to australia has to jump on a plane and generally fly for 24 hours to just yeah. to get here. So it's a bit of an effort. But, yeah, we're speaking to a few international people at the moment. We've got a few maybes. We've got a handful of no's. We've got a couple of tentative yeses. Okay. So we're hoping that we can announce some really cool people. I don't want to say something now just right. in case it doesn't eventuate.
0: Yeah. Sorry, you cut off there, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean I I will put my buddy on the spot and want to know if he's gonna be coming. I reached out to him. Uh is Giacomo coming? Did he say anything? Did he reach out I did ask him to?
1: I think I think Giacomo has reached out uh um, okay. and, and and shown some interest. I don't know if we've had any serious conversations with him okay. yet. Okay. Um, but you know, it would be awesome. Awesome yeah. to have Giacomo here. Uh, you know, he was at uh adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador. And yeah. this is what we're hoping. Like it's a very community driven um initiative. So like if people like yourself or other Aussie Bitcoiners know a few people from other places and they have existing relationships, then that, that helps us get them here, right? Like yes, so yes, anything, for sure. anything that helps, like we're always you know, can always reach out to us and say, Hey, reach out to these guys or let's try get them or you know, we're always happy to again, yeah. it's an event for the people. So yeah. if the people want particular speakers there, then we'll do our best to get them there. For yeah. sure. The problem yeah. is, like I said earlier, it's so far away. It's the hike. A big yeah. cost. It's the hike. It's a big cost <laughs> to travel to Australia. And, yep. you know, whilst we're happy to pay some people as, to come here and cover some of their costs and accommodation and flights and stuff like that. We're also a startup that doesn't have a hell of a lot of money. So it's a bit yep. of a chicken and egg problem where, you know, we want all these people to come, but perhaps they can't come because they've got families or, yes. it's, you know, it's a long way away. So, we're working through all those motions now, and and we're hoping to have um, a few speakers announced probably before Christmas. I
0: okay, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah, the venue itself now is like, what's your expectation on the number of people that? Yeah, you said I think you mentioned around thousand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the venue can hold two thousand two hundred. Um, okay. But I think that's probably going to be a bit crowded. Um, right. So we're aiming for around about a thousand to fifteen hundred is kind of our sweet spot, and nice. the and the layout of the venue for anyone that hasn't been to the um, University of New South Wales Roundhouse, um, it's as its name suggests, it's a big circle, it's a big roundhouse, um, and it's got like a main plenary stage which can host about nine hundred people seated. Um, it's also got an upstairs area where we'll have a VIP section. And so about 100 or so people can sit upstairs and have like a, a top-down view of the main stage. There'll also be a few different breakout workshop rooms. So the idea is we'll have a main stage, we'll have, which will have most of the you know the big headline content agenda pieces. And then we'll have smaller breakout rooms that can fit maybe one to 200 people where they'll focus specifically on certain things. So maybe there'll be like a, a lightning 101 workshop Right. Runs people through the absolute yes. basics of how how Lightning Network works, how to open up a channel, all that sort of stuff. Yes. Or maybe there'll be like a, a proof of work uh, one hundred one, where someone will will talk about you know how the consensus mechanism on Bitcoin works, how mining works, what are the characteristics of it all. And so that's the that's the general idea. And we'll we'll have an area for exhibitors as well. So we'll have a place where we're hoping to have actual miners mining bitcoin so people can come up and have a look at the asics and and learn and ask questions so we're talking to a few few people about getting that in but yeah we're we're open to anyone and anyone like so if if your listeners are out there and and thought yeah i've got a business or i've got an idea please reach out we'd be more than happy to have a chat and see if it fits in nicely
0: perfect yeah it sounds exciting yeah especially with these smaller workshops that are planned. And yeah, it seems like everything's going in the right direction. It's going to be and yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting time for Bitcoiners. Me too.
1: Me yeah. too. Like yeah. like I said, I want to go to one of these things, but they yes. don't exist. So I have to make it. But, you know, it's it's fun as well. I like making stuff like it's it's a really fun thing.
0: So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing the Bitcoin Alive has been taking lately is taking most of your time, right? Like organizing yes. yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Bitcoin Alive is taking up. And it, I think it's going to get even more as we get closer to the yes. event too. Yeah. Like as yeah. as we get into next year, it's just going to be absolute mayhem. But, you know, I enjoy it. It's not a, I'm not worried or I'm not stressed about it all. Like I, I enjoy making businesses. I enjoy working on fun things that are passionate about. And yep. like I said, I'm just trying to solve my own problem. So my problem is I want to go to a Bitcoin event that I don't have to travel 15 hours on a plane to. So... Here it is.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Bitcoin is alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, in saying that, like, uh, what's what's behind the name? Like, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, I could, I could, I could give you a bit of uh, information about how we got to where we got to with the naming. So, initially, we started very basic and probably where you would expect a naming to start for an Australian Bitcoin. So, we started with Australian Bitcoin Conference. Doesn't (laughs) get any more obvious and plain than that. Yeah. The cool thing about that was it was very descriptive. So it was yes. a Bitcoin conference in Australia. There's mm-hmm. no confusing what's going on there. Um, it had a cool acronym, ABC. So there were some fun things oh, you could do with, you know, yeah. ABC. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But the idea, we eventually moved away from that because well, one, it's a bit boring. It's not mm. that fun. There's not so much you can do with it when it comes to like marketing and selling it. It's like, hey, welcome to the Australian Bitcoin conference. It felt very professional. It's yeah. not. It's not a professional, well, it's a professional event in the sense that, you know, we're doing it in a high quality, but it's not like we're just focusing this on people who perhaps work for businesses or professional industry individuals. We want everyone to come to Bitcoin Alive, whether you're a Bitcoiner, a no-coiner, a pre-coiner, even a shit-coiner. If you're a shit-coiner and you want to learn about Bitcoin, Bitcoin Alive is the place to learn about Bitcoin. So we, we want to be very welcome to everyone. And the other the other reason to move away from that kind of naming convention, like one of the other names we came up with was Bitcoin Down Under. So Bitcoin Down Under is a bit more fun. You can be a bit more playful with right. how you message and brand it. Um, but again, it was very specific to Australia. And so the idea with Bitcoin Alive perhaps is maybe we can take this other places too mm. in the future. Right. Um, so we didn't we didn't want to just simply be Australia Bitcoin Conference in case that maybe in the future we took it to New Zealand or we took it to somewhere else in the oceanic region. I mean, there's plenty of Bitcoin conferences in Northern Hemisphere. We don't need to go to Europe. We don't need to go to America or anything like that. But in in terms of anywhere around our region, there really isn't any Bitcoin conferences. So we kind of left the door open there that perhaps in the future we could do a Bitcoin Alive New Zealand or a Bitcoin Alive Tonga or a Bitcoin Alive Papua New Guinea or wherever, right? Right, right. Um, So that was... That was kind of the, the 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 thinking about moving away from the location-specific naming. And yeah, Bitcoin Alive was just kind of one that we threw out there. And it sort of, you know, we poked at it a bunch and thought, you know, what isn't good about it? Are there any better options? And we decided that it was kind of the best option that we that we could come up with. The other reason as well is, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brandon Quidham and Brandon's, um, no, I think it's like know. a five. It's like a five piece article, Um, basically the idea of um, Bitcoin being a living organism and actually being alive. And so a lot of the inspiration behind the name came from that kind of narrative and thinking that Bitcoin is more than just a code in a computer. It's actually a living, breathing organism uh, with all its parts. Yes.
0: Sorry. Sorry to interject, but does he compare Bitcoin to fungi?
1: I believe he might, yes. I. I okay, yes. Yeah, I think,
0: I think, I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I've yeah, read his pieces. Yeah, really interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah, super interesting stuff. So yeah. we were hoping to get Brandon to come along and talk about that because it felt right given our name mm-hmm. was loosely based off that. But unfortunately, um, he's one of the internationals that can't make it at the time. So again, this is the first year as well, right? So For sure. we're hoping yes. that we can keep this going year on year. And then as the brand and, and the location gets kind of established that, Next year on, people will be like, I got to go to Bitcoin Alive. You know, it's yep. actually a real Bitcoin conference. It's it's done the right way. It's here to stay. It's not just a, a once-off kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we kind of need to get past the first year to perhaps get some of those other people thinking like, okay, I will travel to Australia. I'll make an effort.
0: Yep, yep, for sure. And and another thing would be even, even getting sponsors, right? It must be hard, like, being the first event and, like moving forward it will be like oh it's a success last year so like yeah maybe i want my brand to be showcased at bitcoin alive and like yeah it'd be. and then cuz at the end of the day like everything that is still in the fiat system everything is getting powered by the money right so yeah
1: yeah and like you know we're we're pretty we've drawn the line in the sand like we don't want any shit coining, any blockchaining
0: yes yes so there'll be 100%. there'll be
1: no there'll be no speakers content talking about any of that sort of stuff yeah, so when it comes to sponsors, we want to follow that same hundred percent line of thought as well, right? So yes, and there aren't that many Bitcoin companies in Australia. You know, yep. I could probably count on one or two hands how many Bitcoin only companies there are in Australia. And yep. typically, the Bitcoin only companies are not as rich, at least yes. yet, yes. as the shitcoin casinos. So. For sure. It kind of, it really narrows our opportunity when it comes to who we can work with, because we we can't go and approach all of the other exchanges that are sponsoring Mm -hmm. the NRL and sponsoring all different sports codes and throwing money everywhere because they don't align with our mission. Like we don't want to just simply take money from X exchange because they've got hundreds of millions, but it's promoting shit coinery. So yep. it makes it very challenging to to make this. And I think this is perhaps why such an event doesn't exist in Australia is because it is really hard to make it happen.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, looking forward to, yeah, as I said, looking forward, really exciting and like glad at least someone put their foot forward and started building this. Uh, but just to switch gears here, I see that you're a sure. climber as well. So... So so, what do you do? Like, yeah, so when did you start? Is it rock climbing? Like, yeah. It, yeah. When did you and when yeah, did start? Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was actually out climbing uh, just before this podcast today. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so rock climbing. Um, I've been doing it for about a year now. Um, okay. It's been something that I've wanted to do for a lot longer, but I've not had friends to teach me or hmm. t- t- take me out climbing. So it, it it took to this point for me to actually go out there and do it. But yeah, it was uh, almost a year now, 11 months I've been climbing. Um, I recently moved to the Blue Mountains, which is a a big climbing, probably the best climbing area in the country. Um, So I'm totally immersed with rock climbing options all around me. Um, I'm a nature guy. I I enjoy the outdoors. I like hiking, camping, rock climbing, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. So it was only natural that eventually I started rock climbing. Uh, But yeah, I've been doing it for about a year Absolutely love it. It's a fantastic uh, physical, but also mental activity too. Mm. I find it very similar. So you probably got this uh, tune from me: is I like solving problems, uh, whether that's business or personal. Mm-hmm. Like I used to used to want to think. I used to think that I was going to be a coder because yep. coding is essentially just problem solving. Yes,
0: uh,
1: just doing it via code. And I actually tried my hand at it. So I, I, I went to university and studied a uh, Bachelor of Computer Science and mm. reasonably quickly realized that whilst I love coding and love thinking about coding problems, I don't like the actual coding part.
0: <laughs> yeah, And so yeah.
1: it's hard to be a good coder if you don't like coding. Yes. Um, so, and that's kind of where I found myself smack bang in the middle between being like a business person and being like a super duper shadowy coder. I'm kind of like smack bang in the middle, which I think is just an entrepreneur. Um, So yeah, problem solving is something I love doing in all aspects of my life. And rock climbing is very much problem solving. So you're at the bottom of the rock and you've got to get to the top. And there are a number of different routes and things that you can hold onto and grab along the way. And it's up to you to figure out what's the most efficient, what's the best technique, how to get to the top. It's just problem solving. So and it's one that I can do and I enjoy. So whilst I don't like nice. coding, um, I actually really like rock climbing. <laughs>
0: that's and awesome. you'll
1: find a lot of software developers are actually rock climbers. So a lot of mm. the companies I've worked for, I've worked for a lot of software development companies. Um, a lot of the developers will actually be rock climbers, funnily enough. So that, it, awesome. it, there's a great yeah. crossover between rock climbing and, and software development.
0: Nice. Yeah. And so you said, and when you go out to rock climbing now, you go by yourself and you set up the set up whatever, like you set up your lines and everything by yourself, or you go in a group?
1: No, nah, it's not something typically you can do by yourself mm. uh, because you will need someone to make sure that if you fall, you don't die. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, usually minimum two people. Um, okay. So you've got one person climbing and you've got one person on the ground, uh, what we call a belayer. And so they're okay. essentially got a specific device that's attached to their harness and they're attached to the rope and so should you fall um, instead of falling all the way to the ground and smack smacking the rock um, they will be there to catch you using the rope and, and their device and so it keeps it very safe I actually took quite a significant fall um, today I was doing something that I would never done before in terms of difficulty okay and uh, I, I was you know got to a particular problem that was hard and and I fell. And I fell a few meters, but my belayer caught me, and I didn't die. <laughs>
0: right. So right. okay, it's,
1: it's very much it's very much a a group type sport, typically.
0: Yeah, and so that would mean the person in the bottom would have to be a similar weight as you. Um, Is that necessary?
1: It's it's not super necessary. Okay. Um it, it it helps if the the weight differences aren't too drastic. Yep. Um, if you've got someone really heavy and strong climbing and you've got someone super lightweight at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, if they fell, then it might throw the other person up a bit higher than normal. But more or less, it's not that big of a deal, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think since you mentioned you like problem solving, uh, solving I think, I, I don't know if you've tried it, but I uh, I suggest you try jiu jitsu as well. I've been doing it for the that last... That is something
1: that's been on my list yeah. for a long time. Interesting that you mentioned that that's also problem solving. I hadn't thought of it that way. I've been watching jujitsu and MMA for the better part of 10 or 15 years. And I've always had said to myself that that's something that I think I would enjoy. But I haven't. It's like the rock climbing thing. You know, at some point in time, Mm. I got there, but it took me a long time. So I'm, I'm a big believer in timing. Um, when it comes to personal decisions, business decisions, whatever it might be, yep. I'm a big believer on timing. So whilst I've got all these crazy ideas and things I want to try in life and jujitsu is one of those, um, perhaps I'm not there mentally, physically uh, with yep. my life, you know, whatever it might be, it's just not the right time. But jujitsu is 100% on my to-do list. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually would like to hear why or how you think it relates to problem solving.
0: Okay, so it's because it's mainly about submission, right? Like Jiu Jitsu. So, uh, compared to any other martial arts, so like you're either getting caught up, you're either getting caught in a submission, or you want to catch the other person in a submission. And then it's, and they call it human chess because so you could stay, you could stay still and protect, like just stay still and protect yourself. And like the person that's trying to submit you won't get anything on you right? Like there's like positions to stay, but then you won't get anything on them as well. So it's like this, yeah. so it's like this dance where you're probably like giving your arm to them, but knowing that, oh, if the, he's going to take your arm, you're, you're going to get his neck, right? like yes. So it's just okay. about that timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I can so. I can see how that would be very
1: much like problem solving as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And then I was reading this book. I think it's uh, called Tell Me... Oh, this is how they tell me the world's going to end or something like that. It's, it's basically about nation states attacking each other and the war- warfare going digital and yeah and they talk about hackers and like a one common trend about these white hat hackers black hat hackers yes basically people that are hacking for the government people that are selling stuff to, to the government but one thing that's common among all these hackers is jujitsu, jitsu apparently wow okay yeah that's yeah. interesting yeah they have like these major hacker conference and then like all these Super coders are there, but then they have like a jiu-jitsu tournament outside as well. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going
1: to have to find a gym and start learning. I, a, a buddy of mine uh, started doing jiu-jitsu about, I think, 12 months ago. Um, and I was living near him and I was going to join him, but I've since moved. So I'm yeah. not sure. I think actually, I think there might be a jiu-jitsu gym in in the mountains that I might be able to visit. So yeah, again, timing, right? Like exactly. eventually I will get there. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's something I've been watching, learning about for many, many years. Uh, mm. But there's only so much time in the day. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, rock climbing, yeah. starting businesses, personal yeah. life, work. You know, it's yeah, yeah. I'd love to sure. do it all, but unfortunately, I can't. So it's yes. a matter of. I mean, that's a problem solving in its own. right. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. I've yes. got you know 24 hours in a day i need to sleep at least probably eight of those yeah what do i do for the rest i've got to eat i've got to look after myself but then you know i gotta work so
0: the dance of my
1: life yes the dance of life
0: yeah i mean yeah i'm the same like you know like just balancing everything out and i've like few projects on and like yeah nonetheless uh yeah thanks for the thanks for your time chris you have any closing thoughts and where can people find you
1: Oh, no, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I'm super super happy to be here. Always happy to talk to other Bitcoiners. If people want to reach out to me, probably the best place um, is Twitter. Um, so my handle is Lungdoge, which is L-U-N-G-D-O-G-E. If you want to check out uh, any of the projects, CoinStop.io, AlphaHashRate.com, BitcoinAlive.io. Um, please reach out. I'm always happy to chat, speak to other Bitcoiners. I'm a, I'm a, a student of the game as well. So whilst I've been involved for 10 plus years, I'm still learning. There's so much stuff I don't no. know. Um, perhaps some of your listeners think like, wow, he's done a lot. No, I'm <laughs> <a> new. <noob. laughs> I'm still yeah. learning. So I'm always happy to uh, speak to other people, learn other perspectives. Um, so please reach out.
0: Yes, awesome. And I'll have all of that in the show notes for you guys as well. Thanks, Chris. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Thanks,
1: mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. having
0: me. Thanks guys for tuning in and if you enjoyed the show, all I ask is that you share it with one other person and I also recommend that you use podcasting 2.0 apps like Breeze or Found in FM. I'll link them down below. This will help you earn Bitcoin while you listen and it will also help support the show. Once again, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one.